This morning's reading is taken from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, given, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Uh, We thank you that it is uh, sharper than any two-edged sword, um, and that it pierces to the very uh, core of who we are in our soul and our spirit. Uh, So we ask now that your Holy Spirit would be with us uh, to help us understand your word rightly and uh, see it in all its truth and beauty and power. Uh, In your name we pray, amen. Uh, So if you watch... TV shows, uh, you know, just kind of think of, you know, how TV shows go, um, if you're not streaming shows, but, you know, there's certain seasons, and then there's breaks in between the seasons, so, of course, they build up the, uh, you know, the anticipation, you know, with the last episode, and then, you know, you uh, have anticipation uh, with the next season, whenever that starts, with the new episodes, um, so that's kind of how uh, it is with, with Romans. Uh, we started Romans back in the winter and uh, took a break from it, and now we're resuming uh, the book uh, of Romans. So maybe you've, um, you know, had that anticipation, um, you know, wanting to uh, just get back into Romans. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time today or just started visiting with us, then uh, welcome to Romans. Um, so Romans 5 is, is where we are uh, picking up uh, again. And the Apostle Paul, uh, who wrote Romans, starts chapter 5 with the word, uh, therefore. And therefore is, is one of those kind of key words when we read Scripture. It's kind of a, a connector word. It, 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 it says, you know, look at what was just, you know, previously said as you consider, uh, you know, the words that you're reading now. Um, so Paul is saying, based on what I just said, having just said that, uh, now you know, look at this. Uh, so if we go back to chapter 4, where we left off, and even at the end of chapter 3, uh, Paul makes this grand thundering statement about justification, uh, that justification or being declared righteous uh, or being declared not guilty, uh, being made right with God, is by faith alone. Uh, and this faith is not faith in ourselves or faith in religion uh, or faith in faith, uh, but faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, justification is not 
secondary or, or tertiary. Um, it's not something that we can quibble over and, and just kind of agree to disagree uh, about. Uh, it is a primary thing uh, when it comes to the Christian faith. Uh, to paraphrase what a, a theologian you know, once said about justification, uh, he said, essentially, the whole of Christianity rises or falls uh, you know, based on how we view justification and uh, you know, apply it you know, to our Christian lives. Uh, furthermore, Paul states emphatically in chapter 4 of Romans that we cannot be justified uh, by God on the basis of our works. Uh, if we try to do it by keeping the law, we fall dreadfully short. Uh, because God's requirement uh, for being justified by his law is to not fall short at any point, but to be perfect at all points, and we just cannot do that. Uh, Well, some sermons have uh, three main points or three main things. Some may even have five, Uh, but today we are going to reflect on on two things, Uh, and these two things are not separate things, uh, but are related, uh, you know, married, uh, if you will. Uh, And the two things are First is that the, the results or fruits of justification. Uh, and the second thing is, is that God uh, reconciles us, having loved us when we were most unlovable. So the first thing, uh, the, the fruits of justification, uh, Paul goes through a, a list of these, these results, these, these fruits that, that flow out of justification. Uh, and one such fruit uh, is, is peace with God. Uh, think of the different ways that uh, people, you know, look to attain peace. Uh, you might think of the uh, the flower children of the hippie generation. Um, I guess if you're old enough, or if, if you're a student of, of history, and and just the, the various ways that you know they they sought to attain you know peace and, and inner fulfillment, you know, through various uh, methods, um, seeking serenity through other means, you know, meditative practices, you know, anything that we look to uh, to try to get peace. I mean, we all, we all seek peace. That's something that is certainly common, uh, you know, to all of us. Uh, but something very specific here that, you know, we should know about, you know, peace with God and, and, and what Paul means when he says that. Uh, another way of thinking of this is that we are friends with God um, being justified. We are no longer at odds with him. We no longer are his enemy. Uh, and this really is distinguished from uh, you know, an inner peace, you know, these kinds of feelings that, that we, we seek to attain. Uh, certainly, that, that inner peace is part of the Christian life, but, uh, but peace with God is something that is objective. Uh, it's something that is permanent. It's not dependent uh, on circumstances uh, or emotions. Uh, so peace with God, uh, as distinguished from an inner peace, uh, certainly the two can be related. So peace with God. Uh, another fruit of justification is access uh, that we see in this chapter. Through Jesus, we have the privilege of approaching God uh, on his very throne. I mean, think about that, that very thought. Approaching God at any time and with our deepest needs. Places like Hebrews 4.16 and Hebrews 10.22 uh, just so powerfully illustrate uh, this access that we have uh, in Jesus to God. As I was thinking about access, I thought about an episode in my college days. Uh, I was working uh, at a part-time job uh, just, just to make some cash on the side. Uh, it was a printing company, the Printing Corporation of America, or the other PCA, as, as I like to call it. Um, 
And uh, it was menial work. It was kind of boring. But again, it was just to make a few bucks on the side. And um, at one point, I was talking to these interns that were working there, and they were in this program um, to, I guess, kind of, you know, maybe lead to a, a full-time job with the company. And I said, oh, that sounds pretty good. I was trying to figure out, you know, what to do with my life. And, and so I, I kind of looked into that. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to walk over to the, 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 the president's office and, and just try to chat with him. Um, I don't even know how I summed up the courage to do that, but, but I did. And I remember walking in you know, to where his office was and his secretary was, was there. And I explained to her, you know, what I was doing there and why I wanted to, to talk to him. And, and she said, okay, well, you know, he's just sitting right in there. And uh, I guess it was like his break room and uh, I can still picture it. And he was sitting down eating lunch, you know, reading the newspaper and then smoking a cigarette also. Um, and I just remember him probably overhearing the conversation with the secretary and, and him just you know, kind of waving me in and, you know, saying, you know, sit down and, and uh, you know, just kind of told him what I was looking to, to do and maybe apply for the internship. And uh, it didn't work. You know, I didn't get the internship after I applied. God had other, you know, plans for me, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but that, that access, that picture of just, you know, walking into the, the president, you know, of this big company's office and, you know, me being a little peon, and uh, just being able to have an audience with him, you know, always, always struck me. And, and it, it's that way with, with God, that in Christ, God is never too busy for us. Um, he is holy, yes, but we can come to him, you know, boldly and, and with our most heartfelt needs. Furthermore, about this access, as Paul writes, is, is we don't fall in and out of favor with God being justified, but we are continuously in his presence, uh, in this state of grace that Paul writes about, and, and nothing whatsoever uh, can take that away. Access. Another fruit of justification is hope. Uh, this is contrasted with how hope is, is usually defined, you know, in our day-to-day lives as something that we merely wish will happen. Uh, that classic example, I suppose, is of the weather you know, we're planning something grand outside and, you know, we don't want it to rain and uh, maybe rain is, is, you know, a small percentage of rain in the forecast and we just hope that that rain will, will hold off, but ultimately we don't control the weather. So the hope is just, you know, really a wish um, or expectations for whatever that we have, uh, which may not come true or have not come true yet. But the hope here in Romans that Paul speaks of is guaranteed God has promised uh, his children that they will one day witness his glory. So let's stop there. Glory, uh, one of those words that's kind of everywhere in the Bible, and maybe sometimes we come across it and, and wonder, it's like, okay, well, what does that really mean or look like? Well, glory in the Bible uh, is something that is, is weighty. Uh, it's something that is truly significant, truly powerful. So Paul is saying to us that, that we will one day witness the very glory of God in all its fullness. Uh, the glory of God that, that was denied Moses when he asked to see the glory of God on the mountain uh, in Exodus. Now, God granted him a, a small part of that glory, basically telling Moses, if I reveal my full glory to you, uh, you won't live to tell about it. Um, but one day we will witness that, that full glory, the consummation of, uh, of God's glory. Hope has to do with assurance. Uh, we want to be uh, assured of what God 
has told us that what God has promised will come true. And if we're honest with ourselves, you know, we don't always have full assurance. We sometimes doubt. We struggle uh, with God's promises. But Paul is saying that we can be assured uh, of what God has said, that God will deliver on his promises. I like what William C. Robinson uh, says about assurance. Uh, He says, quote, the secret of assurance lies in not allowing the things we do not know to unsettle our confidence in the things we do know. And this really is a part of uh, the daily faith that we are to live out. Hope. Uh, Another gift uh, or blessing of justification is suffering. Now, surely, Mark, you made some mistake. You know, suffering could not possibly be a fruit uh, of justification. Uh, Somehow it maybe snuck in there by mistake. Uh, But Paul is intentional, and um, he includes suffering as a a fruit of justification. Uh, And he he tells us why. And what Paul probably has in mind here is suffering in terms of persecution. And I think sometimes we we think about persecution and, and we automatically go to the extreme, you know, physical torture, uh, maybe even death. But persecution can, can take various forms. There's various degrees of it as we live out our Christian lives. And we do well to remember that persecution um, has those different forms. Uh, anything that we face as far as hostility by following Jesus, by naming the name of Jesus, uh, is persecution. Uh, and Paul shows us how God uses it in our lives. Uh, the Greek word used here for suffering is actually the same word used for, for pressing olives uh, or grapes uh, you know, to, to make oil and, and to make wine, respectively, or, or squeezing the head of, of a wheat so that it breaks and separates the chaff from the grain. So this process of, of pressing, of, of squeezing, uh, produces something, produces things that, that we can enjoy. And it is the same picture here uh, that Paul tells us uh, of suffering, how God uses this kind of suffering in our lives. And if you look uh, at verses 3 and 4, Paul lays out this chain where suffering leads to endurance, endurance leads to character, character leads to hope, and it is a hope without shame. So we can see here that that suffering you know, for Christ does something in our lives. It produces these things in our lives, uh, things which maybe in a unique way, nothing else in our lives that we experience uh, can produce. So we can rejoice in suffering. Yes, it's unpleasant. Um, it may not be always happy, but uh, we can certainly have joy in what God is doing uh, when we experience it. So suffering... Uh, another fruit of justification is, is God's love. And not just God's love, but God's love being poured into our hearts. Uh, that's the language that Paul uses. God's love is not a, a faucet with a slow trickle, uh, but it's a gigantic waterfall. Uh, think Niagara Falls if you've ever been there. Uh, I haven't been there. I want to get there one day in, in my travels. But just think of the the sheer force and, and abundance of water, uh, that's what God's love uh, is like. In our awareness of God's love, it causes us to love God in return and motivates us to live for him and to be comforted and to rest uh, in the many things 
good and bad that life throws at us. God's love for his children, justified in Christ, is adoptive love, so key for the Christian life. It's the love of an eternal, all-powerful, perfect father who cares deeply for his children. So in Christ, we are adopted. Uh, We are adopted now and forever and enjoy this fatherly care of God. So God's love poured into our hearts. And the last uh, fruit of justification that we will reflect on is the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit may be another one of those things that we, that we see, that we see the words and, and we wonder, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do exactly? Well, we don't have time this morning to, to give a full treatment of the Holy Spirit, but just a, a few things important to know. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the triune God. Uh, It's the Holy Spirit who Jesus gave at Pentecost as recorded in Acts. The Holy Spirit, uh, according to J.I. Packer, the theologian, carries on the work and the ministry uh, of Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, teaching us, convicting us, and comforting us. The Holy Spirit is the powerful engine behind our sanctification which is that lifelong process of, of growing in holiness. And as we continue on in Romans uh, chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, Paul will unpack this sanctification and what it looks like and how the Holy Spirit works it in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the seal of everything that God has given to us and will give to us. So we have these fruits of justification And Paul is writing about these things and and wanting to comfort us and remind us that these fruits are not some kind of wishful thinking, uh, but they're blessings that God gives to us to taste now. Uh, Yes, the full consummation of them is in the future, but we can't enjoy them today. And really, to to be a Christian and to not walk in these things and to not enjoy these things uh, because we feel the need to, to earn God's justification, to earn his favor first, uh, is like the silly thought of trying to get into a room that you're already in. I like uh, how Matthew Henry talks about these fruits uh, of justification. Uh, Matthew Henry was a pastor and, and theologian, and he said that the fruits of this tree of life are exceedingly precious. So that leads to the second thing that we'll look at this morning, and that God reconciles us, having loved us when we were most unlovable. If you look with me at verse 6, Paul writes, at the right time Christ died. The proof of God's love being poured into our hearts is found at the cross, uh, where God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, crushed him for us. And these words, right time, uh, really have dual meanings. Uh, In one sense, it was the perfect time in history according to what God had planned when Christ went to the cross. What God had planned before time and and before creation ever existed. Uh, Such an incredible thought. Uh, But there's also the sense in which these words, right time, means that God comes to us in the place of our deepest need. If you also look with me at at verses 6, 8, and 10, you'll see that Paul makes a, a connection with the words that he uses. Uh, The words weak in verse 6, sinners in verse 8, 
enemies in verse 10. First off, we are weak. We are helpless to save ourselves, uh, completely unable to remove the barrier that exists uh, between us and God. We are sinners. Uh, Friends, let us not fall into the trap of of diminishing our sin and diminishing what sin truly is. Sin is not just some kind of annoying cold that, that we get, and you know, if we just you know, take the right measures and, and go through the right steps, that we can uh, you know, overcome it ourselves and get better. Uh, the fact is, uh, as sinners, uh, it means that we have rebelled against God. Sin is a violent attempt uh, to overthrow God's authority and replace it with our own perceived authority. Uh, as R.C. Sproul puts it, sin is cosmic treason uh, against God. We are also enemies, as Paul says in verse 10. We are born in hostility to God. We hate God and we want nothing to do with him in our natural condition. Uh, in fact, as we are born, uh, our deepest desire uh, along the way is to destroy God. That sounds extreme. It sounds severe, uh, but it is what Scripture uh, tells us about our sin, that we are enemies with God, which makes it so much more amazing uh, of what God does uh, in that God reconciles himself to us in Christ. We have offended God, who is holy. We've offended him with our sin. We violated the covenant that God established with Adam and Eve, the first humans, Uh, We foolishly run after our own desires. Every sin essentially is the choice point that that Eve faced when holding that piece of fruit. Should I continue to obey God who has blessed me with with every blessing, or should I run after my own heart's desire, reject God, and rebel against him? And yet, God has taken the initiative to make peace with us by sending Jesus to live the perfect life that we cannot live, and to die a sacrificial death on our behalf, the death that we deserve for our sin. And it's key to note that God reconciles himself to us in taking that initiative and reaching down and condescending to us to bring us salvation. If you look at verses 9 and 10, you see the words that Paul writes, uh, how much more. And what Paul is doing by, by writing this, it's a, it's a kind of device that he's using. Uh, he's really giving us a, a dose of his, his famous logic. Uh, you know, remember that Paul had a, a, an upbringing in the law and was well-versed in the law. So he, he loves to use logic as he explains uh, Christian truths. And so what he is doing is he's arguing from the greater to the lesser. In other words, We can be certain that if God has proved his love to us in the most grandiose of ways by giving his son to die so that we can be justified, so that we can be reconciled, that's the greater, then he will certainly do the lesser, which is save us to the very end and bless us with the fruits that Paul writes about in the first part of this passage. So reconciliation. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Also the words of Paul. And so he writes there, 
All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So God reconciles himself to us and us to him in Christ. And the Bible is clear with the verses we just read that we are to receive this reconciliation in faith and practice it as we live out our faith day by day. Uh, Perhaps you are familiar with the story of Jim and Elizabeth uh, Elliot. It's an incredible story. Uh, They were a husband and wife who, uh, back in the early 1950s, were married and then felt the call to uh, become missionaries in Ecuador, uh, the South American country. And so uh, Jim Elliott, um, after a certain time of studying and, and preparation, um, had a desire to, to reach out to this tribe uh, called the Alcas, A-U-C-A-S. Um, but these Alcas had the reputation for being just savage people, and they would, uh, they would really kill any outsider that dared to venture you know, near their territory, uh, even turning on themselves at times and, and, and killing their own people. So a savage and brutal tribe, but uh, Jim Elliott really just felt the call to, to speak the love of Christ uh, to them. So after a certain time, uh, Jim Elliott and uh, actually four other men who were missionaries working with him, they found a, a beach in the tribe's territory and uh, landed their plane or were dropped out of a plane. I don't know where the plane landed. Um, probably flew away. Um, but they landed on this, this beach and... Uh, After a certain time, two women from this tribe approached them, and it was a promising start. They actually even uh, shared a meal together, and and they said, okay, well, this this has started off pretty well. And so Jim Elliott and the other four men decided to camp out on this beach and just wait until they came back. So they did, and about six days uh, later, uh, they did come back, uh, these tribes people, but they did not come back in, in peace. Uh, and before they knew it, um, warriors from this tribe actually uh, speared to death uh, Jim Elliott and the four other men who were with him as, as missionaries right on that, on that beach. So you can uh, imagine the, the grief and the anguish that, that Elizabeth Elliott, his wife, felt uh, and the other wives of these men. Uh, and in fact, uh, Jim and Elizabeth at the time had a 10-month-old uh, daughter, so we can imagine uh, her grief uh, and what she went through. Uh, but rather than harbor hate and anger you know, for the rest of her life at, at these tribes people, she made the decision that she was going to actually go back and confront them, uh, not in anger, but, but with the love of Christ, you know, just as her husband and these men had sought to do. So within two years, uh, Elizabeth Elliot was actually living uh, in, this, in this Alka village, uh, you know, sharing with them the love of Christ. And, and after uh, a period of time, uh, you know, a number of these Alcas uh, became Christians. And over time, uh, they went from being a, a savage and a brutal tribe to, uh, to a, a friendly tribe. Uh, 
friends, this is really the heart of God, and, and this is uh, the reconciliation and the forgiveness that, uh, that he has come to us uh, in Christ, uh, going as far as to crush uh, his own son so that he could be reconciled to us, restored to us, uh, so that we can truly know joy and peace uh, and security. Jesus says to, to come to him, uh, to come to him and to confess uh, our need uh, of him as our Savior uh, and as our Lord, and we can know joy and peace and security both now and, and forever. Let's pray.